Shannon, where are we? We are at a school uh, somewhere outside of Louisville. Uh-huh. Yes. It is a high school. I can specify that. Yeah, I think it's so. That's fine. Yeah. And not the parking lot, actually, because the parking lot <laughs> is full of students we didn't anticipate being there because... It's the middle of a pandemic to be at home. <laughs> yeah. So that was confusing. But anyway, why are we here on the sidewalk, Alyssa? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, we're on the sidewalk because there are children in the parking lot. And also because today we wanted to talk about um, kind of a different aspect of our life in the theater, which we've danced around in previous episodes, um, which is that we both kind of started teaching at a really young age um, or at least doing some type of theater instruction really young um, and this is one of the many institutions where we have watched some of those performers we've gotten the chance to teach perform which is always very exciting it is really cool to see them working and especially when it's something that you didn't work on yourself <laughs> it's like, so oh, look they're doing something else that's so cool it's so relaxing I know like some of my students, when I'm working somewhere, I'm still working there, and someone else is directing them, they feel like I'm upset that, like, I'm not with them. Right. And as much as I love them, it's very, um, I don't know, it's just, like, a very nice experience to go and enjoy the fruits of someone else's labor and see how great they're doing, but not have to have been, like, a person who is yelling at them to, like, please remember to exit stage left because you're running into the furniture. <laughs> I don't yeah. have to worry about that. Right. You get to just go support. That's mm -hmm. always nice to just go show up and be like, you did a great job. Yes. And not have to be like, hey, here's 10 notes for you. Yeah. It's very nice to just be like all positivity. Um, no notes. Because, ooh, motorcycle. Um, because when I'm directing, I'm, I'm not great at the positivity. But when I go see you in something... I definitely bring that side of me out more. I'm not a monster. You gotta be nice. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Even if it's not great. Mm -hmm. Find the find the one good thing. There's yeah. always something fun about it. Mm -hmm. Even if the rest of the show is like, you know, rough. And I like to think that my students are usually that one good thing. They are the bright spot Thank on, you. The, on the dark stage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're the ghost light. <laughs> So, geez, um, it's 2020, the year that has abandoned us. <laughs> Is it still 2020? Dude. <laughs> um, so, I have been teaching now for six years this summer. That's so weird. <sighs> it's so weird. Um, it does not feel like that long, and it also feels like... I have always been doing it. What about you? The same? I think, well, I think I started doing, like, camps and stuff, teaching a little earlier than that, but I was, like, assistant. So, oh, at okay. that point, I was, I okay. was That's what counts. helping with running the class, but not leading. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it does count, but it's a lot less responsibility, which was... I think the earliest one that I remember was, it was a, like, just scenes camp. We just did, like, short scenes from stuff 
which is really hard to do when it's all girls that sign up every single time. Um, oh yeah, there are no two-person, 14-year-old girl scenes in the no. universe. No, I don't think I actually started doing teaching by myself until probably a year after you did. Okay. Yeah. It's like five or six years. Yeah. Still a long time. Um, I think, well, I'll talk about myself first. I always felt like you were a better teacher than me. Um, just because I don't have a teacher mode. Like, I don't know how to change what I'm saying or what I'm doing, which is why I'm really a, a hot mess with like little children right. people still let me do it but I think that they definitely look at me like oh <laughs> occasionally um but I think that you are really good at adapting to all of the ages um so I don't know even to hear you say like I've been doing it technically by myself longer than you is like wild to me because in my head <laughs> You're so much more seasoned than I am. <laughs> I think you were doing the education part of it. Like, you were getting educated while I started just practical learning. Jump, like, threw myself at it with no education. Mm. <laughs> so, that was a little different between those. Because you were, like, in college for it. And I was like, well, I've stage managed a couple shows. I can probably do this. It'll be <laughs> fine. I've seen a lot of bad shows. Don't do that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> knowing what you don't want, I think, is a, always a valuable place to start. I, it's funny, I think that you mentioned that because it leads me to what I want to talk about first. <laughs> which is, like our own um, experience as learners and like teachers that influenced us not even necessarily like theater teachers because looking back at my definitely like high school experience um, where I think I made the most impactful relationships with my teachers I would not say that it was necessarily teachers teaching me performance um, that were the ones that like influenced me the most um I would say like a lot of my English teachers um certainly I had the same English teachers sophomore and senior year he was great and came to my first well agreed to uh partially sit in on my first directing experience when the other guy couldn't to like assist in being a babysitter which right, was yes, really to, to be the adult. <laughs> which was really lovely of him looking back on it now as an adult it's like wild to me like he didn't absolutely did not have to do that he had a little kid like I think she was like three so totally like a family and a life and agreed to do something for me that he did not have to do um and was like a huge hype person for me and just like very I think I left theater because I love stories and storytelling and like definitely an influence for me on like how to write and what makes an effective story and like how to look at life um, through storytelling. And then I think the other one that probably influenced me just to be like 
the slightly cynical person that I am. <laughs> <laughs> and also, um, encourage, like, some sides of me that I didn't feel comfortable with yet was sophomore year I think I took or maybe it was junior year everything's a blur um I took current events which was essentially like debate light <laughs> um and it was in a really interesting time I think you know in the first couple of years of high school Barack Obama was a new president in the last couple he was running a re-election campaign um there were just lots of things going on politically and we talked about them and he took our opinion seriously and encouraged us to question things and do our own research and come to him and he also admitted when he was wrong about stuff which was huge for me because authority figures don't always do that especially in high school um to teenage girls so I think for me like those two guys especially were people in my life who were like it's okay that you have these things that you want to do and we're going to try to support it and it's also okay not to just be like whatever you say is fine with me I'm a nice girl <laughs> <laughs> except that your opinions must be right because they're the loud ones uh-huh yeah yeah, yeah. which is so much of high school is like there are so many people who just like don't feel like they can talk mm. in class um I don't know that was ever necessarily me but I definitely I don't know that I was always comfortable voicing a strong opinion like I could contribute to a conversation with facts and I read this in a textbook <laughs> but to say like I've read all of this and now I'm going to share my opinion mm. wild absolutely not it's definitely a like hear and regurgitate situation about 80% of the time oh yeah I mean they're getting you ready for standardized testing right. <laughs> yeah. which I'm sure we can talk more about in a minute <laughs> but what about you I know you were close to several teachers in high school yeah I didn't take any of the any performance classes? Oh, I did. Uh, I did the uh, the basic freshman art. That's how I got away with that. That ah, was lots so you of painted fun. things. I tried. Um, <laughs> I made a box. This is very exciting. Um, I'm sure it's beautiful. Yeah. Ugh. And a collage. A collage. Awful. I've always wanted to make. Um, I don't know why you saying collage made me think paper mache. <laughs> Those are different. It's very different. <laughs> I don't do art like that, but I remember watching someone do it one time on like a. PBS special or something and it was so messy and beautiful there's all this paper and I remember like begging my mom if we could do paper mache and of course my mom was like absolutely not <laughs> yeah outside <laughs> for real uh, well I did not get close to the art teacher but that's okay she was yeah. um, she was no I, I had the same English teacher he was great I think that I learned a lot about um, class interaction, I would say, from him. That he was um, yeah. willing to... It wasn't necessarily listen to opinions, but um, that it was that everyone could feel comfortable to talk. And um, a teacher that I got that even more from was my junior English teacher. No, junior creative writing. 
Project Creative Writing. I think it was the first year that they had it. We can believe this, but did you have Dr. Price? Oh, yeah. oh I love her. Yeah. Um, people wrote some really dumb stuff. I bet like, they did. Like, there were such so dumb many vampires. <laughs> I mean, and, and dumb poetry. And she found something good to say about all of it. And I think that that helped me... I think when you see me doing well with little kids, it's that kind of thing that had an impact on me. That Interesting. Like, that's what you can do. That's what you're capable of at your level. That for you is good. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Um, that there are levels. There are levels. <laughs> we said that early on. Yeah. But I also think that I, I remember her. She was great. Mm-hmm. I think that that also encourages the kids who maybe don't feel comfortable like if you hear someone else's trash haiku you're like okay she's not gonna like roast us yeah so there's I think I just come from a background of people who will roast you like that's very much performing arts in a way it's like you have to be on your game because you're constantly being judged Mm -hmm. so I think for me like that feeling of needing to be the best or like perfect at things definitely comes from a situation of like I have been rejected so many times so like if you're gonna reject me it's not gonna be because of something I did right like you're gonna have to do that on your own I'm not gonna give you an out which is tough I think it's just it's a confidence builder thing Mm. too that it's like you give people the space to be a little silly or to be a little like all right, well, that was interesting. Yeah. And then they're more willing to give you real thoughts. Like, that's true. I mean, the same thing as with your current events, that it's like, all right, you let people talk, and eventually we'll work our way around to something that, okay, no, that's really good. Like, yeah. hold on to that one. And I think it's use, It's such a useful skill because when you're grown, when you're young, well, yeah, when you're young, like, you're kind of used to everyone being like, you're a kid mm-hmm. when you're older blah blah whatever but when you're grown like people don't say that to you they say you're wrong like have you not read all of this stuff that I read like you're uneducated whatever but like when you teach kids the ability to like fun <laughs> <laughs> be civil and have a discord civil discord <laughs> um I think it makes them better humans and like the capacity to see things from someone else's point of view is like most of what art is in my opinion so I think it correlates I also think after three episodes of us talking about Jane Austen (laughs) no one is surprised that our favorite teachers were English teachers (laughs) I guess that's fair (laughs) um so anyone else you had an art teacher that didn't do much for you and then a really fabulous English teacher. I only had her one year and I took an AP class with her, which was maybe a mistake because I should have done creative writing. Well, that's I had I had her for both, so it was a it was a lot a lot of one teacher that year. Yeah, I bet. Um, um, I think the only other one would just be the um, the history and German teacher. I think it's again similar to your current events it just teach his method was to get you to say something dumb (laughs) not so that he could tell you how wrong you were but so he could remind you that 
you're learning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And hey, that's a healthy place to be. He's definitely rough around the edges. Yes. But I also think more than any other teacher I had in high school, he had a um, just a deep level of care that he was, like, too um, grumpy old man to show. Oh, yes. But certainly, like... He'd be so mad if he heard us talking about him like this. Oh, my word. He'd Ew, be, mushy, disgusting. Irate. Oh, yeah. He was invested, and, um, fair, I think, too. I, you know, They gave when, me my first C, and I deserved it. Ooh. Yep. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's definitely a tendency, and one thing that I thought a lot about kind of in the middle of my teaching because when I first started I didn't think about anything I was just freaking out all the time (laughs) but when I had a a second to calm down and like really think about like a philosophy of teaching like we think of teachers kind of as these like arbiters of learning but they're human people who like you more than they like someone else who maybe over empathize with a a backstory or maybe they don't know it and so they can't do that and they make decisions that are unfair sometimes so I think that he I think he was fair because when you're a good student I think sometimes either teachers go easier on you and don't hold you up to the level that you need to be held up to because they don't have to think about you. Like, you're going to pass. You're going to handle your stuff. You're going to turn in your homework. If you're not, not there, not a problem. it's because you're at the orthodontist. Like, they, they, you're not an issue for them. But other teachers hold you to a significantly higher standard than everyone else. And I think you can't do the same thing for every kid. That isn't being fair. And he didn't, but he didn't swing too hard. In either direction, I think. Yeah. He definitely didn't ignore you whether you were the most difficult or the least difficult person. Yeah. I definitely had more influential performing arts teachers in college because I went to a performing arts conservatory. I did a theater arts undergrad program. So, like, duh. Like, I had more to pick from than, like, my one or two in high school. (laughs) But, yeah, I think I was, I was doing a lot of learning and then turning around and just teaching what I had just learned. You had done a lot of hands-on stuff and then kind of had to make it up as you went along. Do you feel like you pulled anything from college into that? Because we were in college at the same time that we were working. Honestly, not really. I think, I mean, there was a little bit from, I did take two creative writing classes, um, and I taught one creative writing camp that was a total fluke, um, and, yeah, I think, I mean, I, I used a little bit, but mostly just, like, exercises, because I need to take up three hours of these children's (laughs) time, and that is a lot longer than you think it is. It really is. Wow. Um. But it, it didn't, it wasn't a whole lot of, like, my eyes being opened to this incredible concept <laughs> that I had hitherto missed. Um, hitherto for is such a great word. 
So no, I didn't. I didn't take a whole lot of performing arts. I really was just like very practical, and I think it's you more were. stuff that I just had kind of lingering in the back of my head, going like, this was what I saw my mom and the other chick who ran the um, like kids theater that I was in when I was tiny. Like, I saw them do this once. That would probably work. Okay, we'll try that. Yeah. <laughs> and then just knowing people. I think that we underestimate how much watching the way that people interact and the, I don't know, psychology, but just, like, how they are as people matters in how you teach them or interact with them. For like, sure. You're going to have... 20 very different children in this cast <laughs> and you need all of them to be unitedly working on one project mm -hmm. and not kill each other or cry as much as possible yeah i remember the show that i was working on in the fall of 2016 which was a difficult year for me personally i lost members of my family that year um I was supposed to finish college and I didn't finish it exactly then and there's just like a lot going on for me that I personally was dealing with and then on top of that it was the fall of 2016 which is just a very difficult time to talk to other humans about anything much like today <laughs> yeah and I was working with middle schoolers and middle school is such like a difficult time where you have these holdovers of your parents opinions you're starting to you know maybe form a couple of your own but you're in an environment where it's this microcosm of life where people are so mean to you if you don't know something or if you have a different opinion than them and um it was wild and then they all started getting the flu one <laughs> after the other Ugh. um so it was really like my mini pandemic met the precursor <laughs> To the, 20, to the 2020 pandemic I mean I got the flu like by the end of it but I do distinctly remember one day I assigned them seats in the auditorium to sit in because they were driving me literally insane my stage manager came around and collected phones in a bucket and then we just took like 30 minutes at the top of rehearsal to just be like okay we need to course correct here mm -hmm. so i have failed in these ways you all have failed in these ways <laughs> <laughs> this is what we're gonna do moving forward and like there's not a kid in that cast who i can look back on and be like that kid was the problem or like i didn't like that kid i don't feel that way about any of them like i can't sit here and say that but everything was just so tense and they didn't feel safe to create something mm -hmm. because they were judging each other all of the time 
So it really had to be a situation where you hope that the environment you want comes naturally, but I really had to kind of manufacture the environment I wanted by these like teachy things that really was not my style. Mm. Like it, it didn't feel right for me to like, you know, start doing some of these like kumbaya exercises and like um, having feel? big discussions about our feelings. <laughs> That's not really me, but they needed an outlet and this like random Christmas musical kind of became like a space for them to be but I think you're right I think it's psychology and kind of knowing what people are asking you when they're not exactly being forthright Mm -hmm. and getting people to believe in a common goal and trust you that like that goal can be accomplished yeah that you can see it when none of them can see it. Like, mm-hmm. no, this is going to be cool, I promise. They have to believe that or <laughs> yes. no one's going to do it. I mean, in that show, a kid said to I told this kid, I was like, I promise. Just trust me, it's going to be really funny. And he said to my face, I do not trust you. And I was like, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, what can I do to make you more comfortable? <laughs> uh, that's rough. Yeah, I mean, not surprising from that kid, but like, what are you going to do? I think that's the other part is kind of not being surprised by anything they throw at you. Like, being surprised, but like doing that after you turn around and then going, ah, and then turning back around and going, yeah, okay, how are we going to handle that? Great. <laughs> yeah, you just can't be phased by a lot. Even when you're 19 and phased by every single thing that is happening, like, No, I'm completely under control. Uh Which I'm sure my first students, who are now the age that I was then, scary. That's weird. Would probably be like, yeah, in some ways she was great. In some ways she was a hot mess. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, they were my guinea pigs. So what are you going to (laughs) do? And they knew it. They did. They absolutely did. If any of them are listening, they know who they are. I love you all. (laughs) Every single one of you. Um, yeah, I feel like I also, and we talked about this a little bit, was influenced by teachers that were not good. <laughs> that I didn't like. Sure. Um, do you have maybe just one, because I'm sure we could talk about it forever, like one takeaway from a teacher who, whose style... Or just, like, as a person, you didn't jive with that made you a different person in the classroom, you think? Or maybe not even made you different, but you thought about in the classroom. I, I think, um... I don't have a specific person that this came from, but I just saw across the board in some cases um, a lack of follow-through. So, um, for example, I was always super careful about 
making any commitments to children <laughs> because that's important to them and so if you tell them it's going to look cool it's going to look cool because that's what you told them yeah um and it may not look what, like what they thought it would look like but you are not going to let them look like fools and that's kind of crucial <laughs> mm -hmm. because they're entrusting you with literally their faces being in front of their mommies and daddies yeah. and some of them that's a really big deal i mean yep. thinking about me trying to do that when i was 10 years old and then looking at a 10 year old and going it's okay i promise you're not gonna look dumb yeah that's a really significant promise but other stuff like we'll get to all your questions is like one of my least favorite things that people say because no you're not unless you really mean that and then you better mean it there's things like that that are just like follow-through issues where okay that's not what you said or okay I thought we had a different goal or I don't understand what's going on anymore because you keep changing the plan yeah. things like that that just always bugged me that I don't want to ever do to somebody like me there's a lot of people that go with the flow and the people who don't go with the flow get very scared by some of the people that just let things just be artistic and beautiful I definitely, I think I fall somewhere in the middle of that spectrum. Like, I'm not rigid or, like, um, a rule-oriented person in, in the same way that I think that you enjoy, like, having the rules. Um, I don't like people to tell me what to do like that. But I wouldn't say that I'm all, like, ooh, artistic, go with the flow, like, whatever. Um... Like, sometimes when I'm saying stuff to my older students, I will say, like, I know this sounds really woo-woo. I get it, but I'm going to tell you this perspective. I'm not coming down on whether or not it's a great perspective or not. That's for you to decide. But, like, this is something that people might say to you. Hmm. Not me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think I'm somewhere in the middle of that, but I definitely hear what you're saying. And about questions specifically, it is... If you are just starting um, to teach or you're about to direct your first thing and it's kiddos, you need to have a plan of how you're going to handle questions because they're going to be asked of you constantly. They just are. I don't care who, where, or what your group is. Um... But also, like for me, I don't have like this huge directing plan in place where I know the date and time and way I'm going to do everything. So when I'm getting questions early on, it's good to have some kind of structure of how they can be asked of you and how you're going to answer them. It's so easy to start getting really annoyed with questions and then turn off the kid who really needs to ask you something. Um, I've seen that happen so many times where people just get shut down. Mm -hmm. Children get shut down because they're asking a question. My method, I mean, I, I still sometimes say to my older kids, like, you guys can't ask me questions right now. But it, it gives them a boundary. And then I will say, in the back, I have a notebook that has my name at the top. You can write down your question, and me having a record of it ensures that, A, it gets answered at some point, 
and B, I remember mm -hmm. that you need someone to glue down your left shoe because the sole's coming up. Like, that is a good thing to know. I need to know it. But if you just walk up to me and be like, can someone fix my shoe while I'm holding a bunch of stuff and talking to someone else, I'm not gonna remember that. Mm -hmm. So I think it's also knowing like your own fallibility um, because you don't wanna be the person that's like, oh my gosh, I needed my shoe fixed and, and she said she would fix it and then I didn't get fixed and I fell into my entrance and I smashed my face and I forgot my line like, Never doing theater again. <laughs> you don't because wanna... of my shoe. Yes, it can happen. It will happen. Just be prepared. Like, be ready for questions. Um, and remember that they're asking you stuff, not because they don't trust you, but because they're excited and they want to know as much as they can, as soon as they can, or because their mom said, Jane, when you go to rehearsal today, you need to ask Miss Alyssa. <laughs> And they're just trying to not have that conversation when they get in the car of, she said no question. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think you're definitely, that, that's a good point about the, the notebook or whatever, that making, making allowances for what you need and being ready for that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> not trying to, like, on the spot come up with fixes when you realize that you're way in over your head on stuff that you can prep for there's stuff you can't yeah, prep for I mean, but just having a couple of things set even if you're like all right well i had this rule that's not gonna work i'm gonna change it but you've at least set a boundary that you can then move <laughs> yes so was there something that a particular director or teacher or someone in authority taught you by not doing it or by doing something badly i mean yeah <laughs> Maybe the worst one or the most useful to other people one. The most useful to other people one. Um, well, I think that this is something that a lot, just like yours, a lot of teachers um, that I worked with were guilty of. Like I said, especially in the performing arts where the job is kind of to judge and, and categorize and, and place people um so I think I saw a lot of directors that I worked with teachers that I was in their classroom for not care to know the kids that they were working with I mean this was not when I was the student but I remember stage managing for a director that would literally not even learn the kids names like write down like purple shirt and we would be in like six seven weeks of rehearsal um which to me is not like oh, i'm bad at names like oh, whatever it's like kind of unconscionable when you're working with children to not think that that's a priority it's kind of something that i heard my mom say a lot when we were younger that I think I watched a lot of teachers not do, but like kids are just small humans and you have to treat them with like all of the respect and dignity and um, a 
autonomy over themselves that you do adults. Like, you have to, and maybe even more so than you would an adult, come to children with respect and care and, and the belief that they can control to as much as their ability what happens to them and I think that when you discount any of that whether it's not learning their names or thinking their opinions are dumb or thinking that they just need to move and do whatever you tell them to in the blocking whenever you start to do that you start to lose like a little bit of humanity which is always so bizarre to me when you're working in the most intimate medium that is all about like connection and empathy and like storytelling from humans so it's always (laughs) so weird to me when I see people treat it like a picture or or these puppets that they're trying to manipulate I joke with my students a lot like when they make a connection that I've made a long time ago they'll come up to me in the book you did this and now I'm doing that (laughs) and I'll be like look at all my little dolls dance and like make that joke but that's not real like I don't think of it that way I think I have the luxury of seeing the bigger picture I'm not gonna force that view on them I'm going to make suggestions talk to them see how they feel do all the things and try to get them there and if it doesn't work then we can talk about it and maybe I need to change not well you just need to do what I say because I can see the big picture and I'm right about everything and whatever like there's just no way to go about life and it's no way to go about storytelling like you have to create an environment where they believe in you and trust you and want to respect you. Yeah. Like going in there and being like, you respect me because I'm in charge and I can't even be bothered to learn your name is a level of I've been doing this forever that I never want to get to. Personally. Yeah, I think with your um, treating them as as the tiny adults that they are, um, a lot of I think that some directors underestimate them because they are small. Yeah. Um, and when you say, "All right, here I've got your script. I already wrote your blocking in it for you. Go home and learn it. Also, if you're not perfect in the dance, we'll just take you out. It's fine." you've underestimated them already Mm -hmm. you've you've made the assumptions already first of all why have auditions if that's true um they're they have ideas too and yeah probably 50 percent of them are going to be like but couldn't we fly in and that's just not (laughs) practical but it's the 25 percent that's like I didn't think about that because literally you're like two feet shorter than me and you can see that better than me. Yeah. I mean, sometimes sometimes it's not usually that simple, but like, yeah, okay. Or I can make that work because 
that's a very small dream that I can make come true. Okay, oh, yeah. yes, you can crawl in because that's your very small dream and I can make that come true for you. Um, and it's not going to hurt anything and it doesn't really matter and no one's going to remember it, but it really? matters to you. Yes. And it's a big deal to you very small person. Mm -hmm. Things are just so much bigger for them. Yeah. It's It can be such a small moment that matters so much. And giving them the opportunity to test a theory. Yes. And I have this hypothesis that if I do this, it'll be super funny or super great. Uh -huh. Everyone's going to love it. Okay, try it. Mm -hmm. Like, there's power in just saying, okay, I learned this from my brother so many years ago. And, like, it's so true. Like, you don't have to say, I love that idea. It's going to be great. You can say, okay, and see what happens. And if you've built an environment where those kids respect you and know that you are looking out for them not to look like a an idiot in front of their mom like you earn the capital to come back to them after and say like I see what you were going for I totally think that under these other circumstances it totally might work it was really funny to me mm -hmm. um but I don't think it's gonna fit into the larger picture of our show and sometimes they come to that conclusion themselves yes like oh I mean, nobody laughed at that Okay. Not that long ago, <laughs> I was directing something with teenagers, and they decided that they wanted to do this, like, jump thing that was insane. And I was like, okay, here's how we can do it safely. If we feel like it's not safe, this is how you guys need to communicate that to me, and this is how we'll know uh, on stage without saying, like, I'm not going to jump because I don't feel safe. <laughs> how we're not going to do it. So we, we set up all the rules, we do all the things, and in my head, I'm like, this is gonna flop so hard <laughs> but sometimes you just have to like give people the room to make their own mistake and not always be the person that's like mur, 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 mur. like yeah. I'm right about everything <laughs> yeah I think that's especially true with the younger that you go honestly like <laughs> I mean once once they're like high school you can go hey that's not a good idea and they go yeah okay I know or they're at a place where it's like they're more okay to accept that or you've worked with them longer and they trust you more but mm -hmm. when it's like I'd have never worked with this 10 year old or 12 year old who has what appears to be not perfect self-esteem maybe don't like jump on the first thing they say jump on like the third thing they say and uh -huh. go no we're not going to do that but like giving yeah you're right like it's building the capital especially yeah. when you work with somebody over time I mean you're always gonna have the kid just like you always have the question kid and I can think of four in my head right now <laughs> you also always have the suggestion kid um I have a suggestion about when like always <laughs> and it's totally like that's fine and getting fed up with that kid immediately is just like so crushing to their little spirit you can watch it happen on their baby faces <laughs> uh don't kill dreams. I mean, I have just, like, the most precious little snowflake of a child in one of my writing classes, which I teach writing classes all over uh, Kentuckiana, and <laughs> um, she always just has this, like, wild idea that is literally impossible under my current budget <laughs> restrictions <laughs> to produce. I cannot do it. there. And and I'm the kind of person that's like, 
okay, you know, in my head, we would need X, Y, and Z to make this happen. What do you think we could use instead? Like, I'm willing to shop for alternative materials, throw in a weird suggestion of a thing that might be happening. Literally, there's no way to do it. I, I don't know how. So it's also like not saying your dream is bad and wrong and this thing that you want to stage is stupid. It's saying I'm not the person to do that, Mm -hmm. which I can hear myself saying that for the first time to an adult. Mm -hmm. I didn't even say it to a kid for the first time. I said it to a grown person. I'm not the person to direct this thing that you have a vision of. It's not my story to tell. And I don't feel comfortable doing it. And, like, I thought it was going to be an issue. And they were like, oh, okay, thanks for saying that. Like, you can own the fact that maybe, like, the crazy, and this is not the story, but, like, the crazy outer space, you know, everyone's moonwalking and, like, being suspended in air the whole time play is not your play to produce because you don't have the money and you don't have the aerospace background (laughs) to make that happen right but you never know who's out there who like is elon musking it with a ton of money and an interest in nasa and the theater yeah who will produce that kid's play because they're into it too like not everything has to be like absolutely not never it can be like i'm not the one yeah i can't i don't have the tools yeah, it doesn't always have to be yes or throw the whole idea away. It can yeah. be, this scene's really good. I don't know how to do this with the horses, but we can we put them <laughs> maybe on a bench? Is yeah. that okay? Absolutely. We'll figure it out. Right. I mean, they put Driving Miss Daisy on stage, and that's the whole thing takes place in the car. <laughs> There's always more options. Yeah, people will figure it out. I was not the person to first produce that for so many reasons. <laughs> Yeah, so I think not very dissimilar to what you said. Just, like, you have to look at these people like people. Yeah. Um, and I think also being so young when I started teaching, being so young when I started acting, I was just, and going through an educational process of theater myself, I was just, like, intimately aware that I held in some level not to be dramatic but like their spirit and their dream in my hands and I can remember like I got caught up in this and I don't know if you did but like in one of the places that we were teaching there was definitely a vibe of like at one point do we tell a kid that this isn't for them Hmm. like I can remember having that conversation and for a while like I got caught up in it like yeah you don't want to keep just like relegating a kid to the background it's like this isn't for them and they need to pursue a new hobby and then one day I was like um pump the brakes like first of all idiot have you ever considered that not every kid is you who like needs to be the best is there because this is their like lifelong passion and dream maybe they're really happy doing what they're doing and if you came in and you were like listen we love you please never come back because this really just isn't for you. I don't know if you know this, but like can't sing, can't dance, can't act ugly. You're gonna 
crush someone who maybe didn't even have these aspirations that you're putting on them. Like, I got caught up in that mentality, and I look back on that now, and I'm like, what the heck? Like, that's so mean and destructive. Like, your job is not to decide the fate. Your job is to teach as well as you can as long as they want to be taught. And certainly, if you have a kid who's coming to you for advice and mentorship and is saying, you know, I want this to be my career, looking at them and being as honest and kind as you can be at the same time, it is not kind to be like, yes, you are great and you will do great always. Right. That is not kind either. That It's important to be truthful and to be kind and to lead them in the right direction if that's what they're coming to you for but like when you just have this like program where kids can come and there's not like some strenuous audition process to get in and like they can come take their class and be in their show and do their thing like pump the brakes (laughs) and recognize that like you are holding the fate of this kid in your hand like you could so easily crush them and I just think there were times in my life when I was not performing to the best of my capability where I wasn't getting roles where I was continuing to show up for auditions and not hearing anything back and I can only imagine if someone that I looked up to and respected had sat me down and been like hey have you considered like X, Y, or Z career. I was about to say one, and then I was like, those people are going to be so mad if I just, like, throw out some (laughs) random job. not doing this. Yeah, like, Uh I would have been devastated. Yeah. So, it really took, one, the idea that I was doing, I was in their same position, just, like, you know, a couple cycles removed. Yeah. Um, And then also, just, like, the idea that what I was hearing from the teachers that I respected a lot at the time that were teaching me was you're going to get rejected. It's going to be difficult. Auditions are a numbers game. Like, you have to go on a hundred auditions to get one yes. Like, that was what I was hearing. I wasn't hearing, we are the deciders of your fate. We are the end-all be-all. If we don't think you can make it, then you're not going to make it anywhere. And, you know, if you get 12 rejections, then it's time to hang up your Leducas and, like, Leducas. <laughs> I, I say Leducas as a joke. That's so I realized. Funny. I was like, someone's gonna be so mad that I said that. <laughs> Sorry, I think they're overpriced. Um, <laughs> hang up your Leducas and go home. Like, I would have been, I would still be in bed six years later. Like, you could not have convinced me that they were wrong, that I was okay, that the past gosh I started performing when I was 10 so someone had said that to me at 19 the past decade of my life had been a mistake Mm -hmm. (laughs) like you no one could have talked me out of the funk that I would have fallen into so I don't I never sat in on one of those conversations I sincerely hope they never had one yeah to the bottom of my toes I hope they never did it but I don't know I had a thought, and it's fully fled. <laughs> well, totally gone. Oh, oh, I got it. Oh, that might, might have been it, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Um, I think there are also cases where the correct opportunity has not just appeared yet. Ooh, so, for yes. example, the whole reason that I really, not the reason I got into teaching, but the reason that I started, I get, the reason I started directing at all was because I saw a need because there were kids whose opportunity was never going to come up yeah. because there was not a program for the kind of kids that I was seeing get rejected. And it wasn't that they weren't good. It was that they didn't have the correct skills for the kind of shows that were being produced. It's mm -hmm. that, okay, you have a different set of skills. How can we create a program where your skills can also shine? Yeah. Because they are also valuable but you're not going to be valued in this kind of show. Some people can't sing, and that's okay. Yeah. And some people don't want to sing on stage, and that's also okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, just giving people room to have different kinds of opportunities rather than just saying, well, we've given you 10 opportunities. They were all mm. male-heavy musicals, but why haven't you gotten a part yet? That's on you. <laughs> right? You're not working hard enough. You need to be more male and a better dancer. Mm -hmm. And then you will be an actor. I mean, yeah, like, it's utterly, yeah, subjective. Yeah. And and I think we talked about this a little bit last week, I think, but it's also, like, don't let yourself become so jaded and cynical and, like, whatever that you start to behave in those gatekeeping ways that kept you out. Mm -hmm. You know, I think as artists, we've all run up against some kind of gatekeeping mechanism because that's the world. It's subjective, yeah. and there are people who have the power to say, like, that's not good, even though there's no... It's not like they can put it on a scale and weigh it out, mm -hmm. you know, mathematically. They can yeah. just say to me that isn't good and so to the world because I have the power in this environment it's not it's not good yeah don't you still have to put on your art in your show I'm not saying that leaders should sacrifice their vision to let every single person in right but I think that you need to remind yourself where the gatekeepers were wrong in your life and just be mindful of it as you are making decisions because you have to reject people. They People have to get rejected. I think it's healthy to get rejected as an artist. Um, so I'm not saying don't do it. I'm saying be aware. And I also think, you know, kids have a lot of emotions adults have a lot of emotions adults are just some of them not all just bigger children bigger children <laughs> who have lived in the world long enough to know like you say thank you very much i appreciate the opportunity if you ever have anything for me that you think i would be right for in the future i would love to work with you uh keep me in mind whatever i can't wait to see the show that you did not cast me in mm -hmm. adults know how to play that game kids don't always and so you know I also think that there's a culture of like nip it in the bud you know get out in front of any feeling yeah and I think that's because it's hard to face it but I also think and I've gotten better at this I'm, I'm, I'm not great 
at it um, because I start to feel so many feelings that they're feeling but I think there is power and ownership in looking at a kid who is upset and owning your decision and owning their feeling about it Mm -hmm. like you don't have to take it home and be upset and think that you ruined their life I have cried over so many roles that have not ruined my life as a child as a grown person (laughs) yesterday like (laughs) I get it but I think like closing the door on those feelings especially when you are the teacher is also a little bit wrong like you know don't let the kid be upset forever they don't get to come to you every day and cry that they're pumpkin number seven and charlie brown's great pumpkin patch or whatever it is (laughs) when they really 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 wanted to be lionel's blanket like whatever like you can't do that but you can give them space to grieve something reminds them that they're allowed to have emotions and that's okay and that they're not being aware that they are children or they are adults and they're not going to respond perfectly because you don't respond perfectly every time either you're going to get mad at a rehearsal and they're allowed to be like you know crying in the hallway and that shouldn't mean that well they just they just really behaved badly at the last so difficult to work with right so really do we really want to work with them Mm -hmm. she cried Uh i can't have that because she really wanted to be Belle, or even they really screwed up okay but like so have you (laughs) remember i think just like remembering your own faults and your own screw-ups and remember where you came from and all of that nonsense if you can't then you're not relating to them on a human level anymore I very recently had a student who auditioned for a theater that I'm associated with and my boss at that theater told me that she auditioned and that they weren't going to cast her and Then she proceeded to talk to me about her audition in a positive way. For like 20 minutes we talked about it. And it was a reminder to me because, you know, I flip-flop between both sides of the table all the time. But it was a real, like, reminder to me that rejection for a show isn't rejection forever. Mm -hmm. And that people are going to remember the positive takeaways from an audition as much as if not more sometimes than the negatives like and when I was listening to it I was like I wonder what I would think if I were the director who had auditioned this girl um and essentially like she had gone up on the monologue but they loved the monologue they thought she did a great job they had never heard it before which is so hard at that age group at that theater so hard and they like the interview part of the audition they really enjoyed talking to her and it's like all of that is so lovely she goes up there are people who didn't go up but she's probably the youngest person in the room the least experienced and they have a whole lifetime to work with her where she's only going to get better from where she is so it's just a reminder to me that like one surround yourself with people who don't and work for theaters 
for people who don't trash auditions, you know, who don't throw people under the bus or say, like, so-and-so went up on their audition and it was terrible and I can't believe they've ever gotten a role. Like, <laughs> be wary of people that speak like that. And also, like, the next time you flub in a room, remember that somewhere out there is a person who's having that lovely positive conversation about you not the conversation that we're all playing in our head that's like so and so sucks yeah the conversation when you leave is is i don't know in my experience being in the room after the person has left rarely is bad fairly rarely as bad as you think it is oh, <laughs> when you leave and you're like so out sure. in the hallway crying yeah um yeah for sure for sure um yeah I think it wouldn't really be a podcast where we talked about our teaching experiences if we didn't share like a favorite teaching story do you have one I've put you on the spot several times so I can tell you one of mine first no I've got one it's just like super sappy gross I mean mine's gonna be silly so perfect (laughs) What, what balance um so I was, I guess we'll count this as teaching. I, I count my children, directing children as teaching. For sure. Um, so we were doing a story about a child who's in the in the um, jungle with some animals. Oh, um, I wonder what that could be. Yeah. And one of my animals was very uncomfortable. And it was, she had a fabulous audition. I completely believed that this character was in there. She needed her to be able to roar. She needed to roar. It had to happen. Mm. The roaring needed to happen. And so far, I just kind of let... It was like, okay, we're still reading. It's all good. Uh-huh. We'll just we'll just do, like, you can skip those for now. Today, we need to start doing the thing. Um, and she would not do the thing, and she would not do the thing. And I think... Basically, eventually, she did the thing, and... I was very impressed, and she got to feel really, really empowered by that. That was the yes. loudest she'd ever been, probably in her entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was almost more impressed with the rest of the group with their response to her not being willing, because the whole rest of the class was very encouraging or very silent. And either one is a perfectly acceptable <laughs> response in that area because I'm like we're we're gonna wait we're gonna you're gonna do it I will keep roaring and you will I will wait for you to roar back at me which is always fun um because I don't like being loud I was gonna say it was bad um so I'm gonna keep roaring and we're gonna wait until you have it happens and the class was either just really encouraging or it wasn't ever like come on just do it none of them were giving me that response and I was really impressed with a group of like 25 kids that none of them were giving me any crap or giving her any crap for being nervous that it's like we will wait and this is important and this matters because there's also two other kids who we're about to have to do in a second so it's not just you but it was just I don't know it was a really cool I think experience for the whole class and everybody was really proud of her and she was really proud of herself and she was I don't know I think she's one of my favorite success stories from that era it's like she's just got I don't know got a lot in there and she needed to roar and she could it was very cool 
That wasn't too sappy. No, thank fine. you. I mean, there's definitely, like, a larger metaphor of, like, you're going to hear me roar there, but you didn't even touch on it. So I, I really, tried, yeah. It was really lovely. I had to do it for you. Um, it's funny. I have so many great experiences with older kids. Like, connection to them, still keep in contact with them, really love to be around them. Um, great experiences with older kids. But one of my favorite experiences and something that I look back on and I'm like okay I have it in me and everyone else has it in them too is um I was teaching a summer camp for itty bitties like <laughs> we're talking not even in school yet children um I still have a picture of them at one point they're huddled up uh in like a little circle where they're scheming of the story that they're going to tell me in a minute. <laughs> but essentially, the, the camp was a week that was going to culminate in them getting to sit in a big comfy chair that I had purchased. Uh, not specifically for the event, but it worked really well. And their classmates acting out what they said in front of their parents which in my head was going to be um very uh, Mr. Rogers like very like transcendent and beautiful and like out of the mouth of babes moment I always have like high hopes (laughs) (laughs) but I struggled every day of the camp like I struggled to feel content for that age group I struggled not to feel like I was talking down to them I mean they're, they're kids but you have to speak at their level, but that doesn't mean you have to condescend to their level. It was just a struggle. You know, I had one kid who wanted to be the center of attention, one kid who would never talk, one kid who did not understand anything we were doing. So, a real cluster. And then me, who's just kind of like, I don't remember why I agreed to do this. (laughs) Money? I don't know. Um, so, well, a couple of things happened that stick out to me in that camp, which is, one, my favorite kid was the bad kid, because my favorite kid is always the bad kid, and I remember his mom brought his snack in to me to, like, get checked in as his snack, (laughs) and I'm talking to her, and the conversation, like, I think about it all the time. He was telling a crazy, slightly gory um, story about uh, sort of um, teeth coming to life as the only way I can think to describe it. Yes. Yuck. He's five. (laughs) Oh, dear. Now he's 11. That's so (laughs) weird. Um, So he's five years old. He's telling this crazy story. And his mom comes in to check in his snack and she's like so he told me about his story and I was like oh no I'm gonna get in trouble (laughs) and she was like look I'm really sorry which is not how parent interactions usually go (laughs) so I was a little bit taken off my game um his dad let him play a video game that video game has turned into a nightmare that in the daytime he's fascinated by but in the nighttime he's scared of because he's Mm -hmm. five 
and she's telling me that like this is where the story is coming from and she is sorry that he's terrorized the other children and I was like well I don't I think that they're grossed out but I don't think they particularly think it's scary um and I'm gonna make them be the teeth <laughs> we'll see what happens um but like that conversation with the mom who clearly had a bad kid like and I'm saying bad like a kid that caused situations like this yes. to happen a lot not that he was in any way like a mm-hmm. bad child right. he's five but you can just see that she's had this conversation with like a million adults she <laughs> was like I'm so sorry about my child he cannot be tamed <laughs> for me like I love that kid because I don't want to tame your kid. Like, I want to make that kid tame themselves. I want to be so excited about their story and so excited about these human teeth that are (laughs) coming to life that it makes that kid want to tell the best version of that story. And I just want to set them up to be like, ooh, Everyone else thinks my story's gross, but Alyssa loves my story, and now I get to add these things and make it clearer, mm-hmm. be better. Like, yeah. that's what I want. And so, one, now that I'm older, I think being a person that can be gracious with a parent like that, who isn't like, yeah, you need to get your kid in line and stop letting him watch these video games. <laughs> Seems like your fault. This is on you. Um probably does a lot for folks and then also just like that kid telling this crazy story does something for him too he doesn't get shut down at five for his teeth story so maybe now at 11 he's telling slightly gory weird stories but there's a market for that and there's he has a voice maybe that hasn't been shut down Um, And also that day, his snack was Cheerios, and his mom very clearly said to him, so-and-so, don't open this bag until it's snack time. And he didn't, but he did chew through the bag to get to his Cheerios. (laughs) (laughs) At which point I was like, respect. You know, like... That is genius. He obeyed the rule. Right. He found a workaround, and he had his Cheerios. You, Um, uh, You have earned those Cheerios, my man. Good, sir. Congratulations. (laughs) So, you know, at the end, like, were there stories that you couldn't hear very well? Because, you know, five-year-old Gracie is like, and then um, they went to the forest, and of course. And was the teeth story super weird? Yes. Did it go a little bit off the trails because he got excited with an audience? Absolutely it did. (laughs) But, like those kids had an experience of standing up on a stage and sharing something that they created and doing it in a safe way where like they sat in a comfy chair and everyone clapped at the end Mm -hmm. and I think for me that means something and it just is like a, a mini lesson for me of a lot of things that I do now teach where the kids are at always be willing to pivot and adapt when things aren't working 
be specific about rules because if you say don't open that bag until snack time they might chew through the bag to get to their snack <laughs> yep and also just like champion it when it's working and champion it when it's failing yeah. like they don't look the same but being the cheerleader doesn't stop when the team is losing that's you that's you building that the rapport and what you're talking about earlier with like okay i've got a little bit of cred with you now so how about we do this differently because Mm -hmm. i've I've been on your side right yeah okay cool this one i need you to do something different because you're gonna look bad yeah this this is why you trust me (laughs) and if anything you need to champion harder when when you're at a loss Mm -hmm. um you gotta go harder yeah so yeah i think as weird as that answer probably is, that's probably my answer. And then just like, on a sentimental level, circling back and for the first time directing a show that I was in was a, a big moment of like personal achievement for me and um, like a lot of validation for me as an artist that I didn't really, I wasn't sure it was going to work, um, but it's one of my favorite pieces I've ever done. So that is not really a testament to me, more so it's a testament to kids just really being smarter than you think and up for challenges and, and want someone to think that they're capable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, raising the bar. Yeah. For sure. I don't, um, I think I was very guilty of that initially of like, well, they won't be able to or whatever. And that's not always a terribly (laughs) healthy place to start. Don't underestimate. I mean, the people will rise or fall to whatever you give them. Um, and, you know, it's about managing your own expectations along the way. And especially when you come at it in a lot of the ways that we did, which was we see a problem that we want to fix or we see a hole that needs to get filled. It's so easy to feel like I have watched, I've been on the outskirts of this and watched how it's not working. I have a theory of how I can make everything work Uh and now I'm going to implement it and fix everything I'm so smart and so 19 years old (laughs) yeah um so yeah I mean like probably me more so than you I was a little bit of like a punk about it like yeah I got this covered right but I think it I quickly recalibrated and was like, oh, turns out we do not have this covered. Mm-hmm. And so what will I be doing now? <laughs> I have three answers. I needed 12. <laughs> but the three I had, I was like so confident. <laughs> and one of them worked. Uh-huh. And it went great. <laughs> I don't know about you. I never saw myself teaching. No. Yeah. No, um, I'm, I'm a support role person, so I didn't really see that until I felt 
I think I had to feel strongly enough about it that it's like, okay, I gotta do I think that happens to me all the time. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna do it until I'm like, I'm either really mad no one else is doing <laughs> it, so I'm gonna do it, or I'm, I feel like someone has been slighted or something like that where it's like, nope, I gotta, I gotta fix it, I gotta fix it, I gotta fix it. You are one of the most competent <laughs> people that I know who does not thrive when all of the pressure to be competent is on you. Like, you thrive when you are are propping someone else up to look more competent than they actually are. (laughs) I mean, that is when I have seen you do true miracles that I did not believe were possible. Um... It's to make the other guy look good thing. Yeah, and you're great <laughs> Even at Even if the that. other guy is the director. <laughs> you're so good at that. And I am... Uh, meanwhile, I'm like, hey, I did all of this. They are crazy. <laughs> I can't... I can't let it go. <laughs> so I think, like, it's always crazy to me that, like... I don't know, you weren't more gung-ho about starting because yeah. I I never for one sec like I said I mean I've always thought that you were a better teacher than me but I also never for one second thought that like someone other than you needed to do it <laughs> at least not in the initial environment we were in right it made perfect sense to me for it to be you um now I think I've settled into teaching in a way that's comfortable for me um and learning that teaching is not like always in the classroom instruction that was never for me I don't have it in me to be that person and so I think when I first started teaching I was like really resistant um I didn't want to get into a situation that I felt like I couldn't get out of, but also that I was severely underqualified to do, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I was afraid for it. Now that I work more in artistic teaching, both as the platform that I'm teaching, but also the methods that we use to teach... I have settled so much more into my own as a teacher and also um, what my goal is like what my personal goal for the teach is which for me I think has kind of come around to and you I feel like said yours which was these folks over here are being discounted because they don't fit the mold of what we're doing not because they're not talented. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm going to look at what we have and create around that, which is how we've done uncertainty. Yeah. It's definitely, like, a model Filling of success a need. for us. Um, I think for me, when I, when I go into schools or when I'm contracted out with different places, it's mostly about I kind of hatch through the jungle of this world on my own didn't have a family who was artistic never really had like a person in my life who was like 
um, well, you do this, and then you do this, and, and that's how you do the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're an artist. Yes. I, d- I did not know what I was doing, and I failed so much. Um, that for me, it's about like, okay, I've hacked and hacked and hacked away. Teaching is one part of my artistic life. It is not the whole of it, but it is the way that I turn around from the hacking and just make sure that the brush is clear. Like, (laughs) can someone else get behind me now? Mm -hmm. And also, am I making it crystal clear? I think a bug just landed on my shoulder. I was trying to say something so poetic. I know. Um, All I'm trying to say is, like, I just want to make sure now that as I'm working towards these personal artistic goals that it you know I don't have a ton of money to donate to artistic charities I don't have um a lot of capital to spend in other ways um whether it be like decision making power or literal capital money but what I do have is the ability to turn around and be like okay here are some options here are some ways that you can do that I can be a resource for you. I can, you know, stretch out my hand to see who's in front of me mm-hmm. that we can pull from too and like make people feel a little bit less alone. So for me, like that's done a lot. Um, and kind of realizing that as the mission instead of just like, here's everything I know about method acting. Ready? <laughs> <laughs> Got your notebooks? Write it down. Yep. Yeah, I think we had more to say about connecting this with what we're doing now with the current state of schools and teaching in general, but I also think that the sky is pretty because the sun is gone. Yes. So send us your favorite teaching stories or your favorite being taught stories or Mm -hmm. your least favorite being taught stories because those are always better. Um, we would love to share some of those on the podcast. We have not received a lot slash any calls to <laughs> our voicemail or text. You can text it, too. Um, but we would love to hear from you. So you can email it to us or you can text it. I'll give those at the end. Um, but next week, I think we're going to be talking kind of about the state of theater and what it might be like in the future. So maybe we can tie in a little bit of how one continues to educate themselves right um about a live in-person medium that isn't uh, live at the moment or in person yeah it's weird i will plug um just because i think it's interesting there's a podcast i believe that's called theater is dead that kind of covers other times in the history when um it has seemed like like you know traveling caravans people are gonna be like yeah we're over this um (laughs) so it's uh they talk about the 1800s plague and um they kind of cover the current situation as well so i don't know if you want better content around specifically how the theater continues to bounce back uh, encouragement maybe yeah listen to them call it theater encouragement (laughs) Yeah, I believe it's called Theater is Dead, but I'll link it in our show notes, as I often want to do, because I don't always have the exact right words in my brain box when we go to (laughs) say them out loud. Okay, um, yeah, so we want to hear all about your teaching stories. Um, 
We want to hear how you're continuing to maybe learn about theater in a pandemic. So you can call us at 502-627-0296. You can also text us at that number. We are not going to answer. This is solely so you can leave us a voicemail. Perhaps I should mention that in case you were worried about talking to a human on the phone. We don't like to talk to humans on the phone. Yeah, we're millennials. We're not trying to do that. (laughs) Um, If you absolutely are never going to pick up your phone and dial a number, you can also email us at uncertaintheater at gmail.com. Let's see how I do today. That's U-N-C-E-R-T-A-I-N-T-H-E-A-T-R-E at gmail.com. Very nice. Thank you so much. All right. And thank you so much. Parking lot. Thank you. All right. All right. Bye. Total side tangent at work today. Yes. There was a misread, and the reader said <laughs> the, the, the character was there was something stressful happened, and they were hit with a thrush of panic, and the reader stopped and was like, what did I just say? I was like, the thrush of panic. It's my spirit animal. <laughs> like, oh, no. Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> its call is, ah. Well, it, and it just did it for us. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I hear it calling. Shannon, it's here. <laughs> it's the thrush of panic. <laughs> Aw. So... Wow. It is July 17th, 16th? Wow. It's over. Those are definitely either fireworks or something I don't want to know about. It's fireworks. It's fireworks. It's the OC. What is happening? (laughs) It's the thrush of panic. Um, (laughs) 